This is an ad from We Buy Any Car in the UK. I just sold my car. When are you going to part exchange? I was, but who knew you could get a better deal if you sell to We Buy Any Car? Just sold my car. Do we buy any car? Hey! Just sold my car. Yeah! Do we buy any car? Just sold my car. Do we buy any car? Just sold my car. To find out how much your car's worth in 30 seconds, enter your reg number now at webuyanycar.com. That commercial is stupid. Right. Well, we're getting to that. We'll get to that in a minute, right? But first... A couple of other things. News. Why why Mozilla acquired an AI product review analyzer company. And uh, the article has a nice history of, of where Mozilla came from and uh, how it got started in browser technology in 1998 and um, with Firefox and Thunderbird. And now it's... Um, you know, I ran across Rust the other day in a tech in a tech article, and they said it's fast becoming one of the favorite programming languages uh, in the world because it's because of its speed and efficiency. And um, it was also invented within Mozilla. Uh, and Thunderbird, which I use every day, and my wife loves, is also Mozilla. Um, it's built in to Thunderbird and and Firefox are built into Ubuntu Linux, which is what I use most of the time. Not not on this particular machine for some other reasons. You know, the editor I use is on here. Um, but every other machine uh, pretty much has the one over there has uh, Ubuntu on it. My, my, my main machine at home has Ubuntu. My wife's all my wife's machines, including one behind me over there has Ubuntu on it, um, but they bought Fake Spots, and Fake Spots is, uh, Fake Spot is a uh, company founded in 2016, and it serves as an AI assistant for people buying, for people buying things. Uh, it spots fakes of whatever type of product the individual is wanting to purchase, then it lets the customer know the quality of the item by way of a letter grade as shared on Gadget Review. Okay, so it links to Gadget Review. FakeSpot doesn't only do this sort of review analysis, but also actively finds better offers on other websites for buyers to consider, as well as FakeSpot Guard, which keeps one alerted uh, to suspicious scammers. Okay, and um, I, I actually I thought what it was going to do was find AI copy. What I really want is I want an AI bot that tells me that these tech articles are written by AI bots. <laughs> That's what I want. Because I had two again today that repeat phrases regularly and without any synonyms. And like word for word, it plagiarizes itself. <laughs> and I think these are these gotta be. He's got to be. And after, you know, you have to and you have to read it fairly closely for a while. So it's delaying my show preparation. Um, and I just threw them out and they were one was a six minute read and the other was a four minute read um, with highlighting that you can even take longer. So anyway, both both organizations, FakeSpot and Mozilla, pursue quality and security for customers in an art and an ethical way. Um, and people who use 
fake spot also have higher satisfaction with their purchases and return products less often okay and fake spot is actually being supported by amazon best buy etc i'd like to know a more complete list than that but fake spot is won over big businesses and at-home buyers alike okay so we're gonna have to try it out um i'm guessing that my firefox will get an update i'm that's my main browser on this machine um i use a different browser on ubuntu more often but i'm gonna i'm i'm, I'm running out of running out of patience it hasn't been upgraded in a while like two years and it's it's there's more and more software or more and more websites it won't run uh, so FakeSpot integrates. The next thing will be FakeSpot integrating into Firefox in the near future. And um, so that's something to keep an eye out for. But if you're, a, if you're an AI developer, I really want to find an AI review tool. <laughs> so it gives me the likelihood of an AI written story so I can avoid them, right? Because... You know, and I did one from Mark Ritson a couple months ago that I thought he'd had a stroke or something because it wasn't up to his usual standards. And it turned out at the end, he admitted that he'd let ChatGPT write the article and it was just terrible. Uh, but hopefully he doesn't do that anymore. Maybe he just lets it start the article or something. Okay, so despite advances in AI, retail customer experience still needs a human touch. You know, when I was uh, one of my... One of my first jobs out of college, or my second job, was uh, in internal sales in a in a business-to-business -business company. And um, you know, oftentimes engineers would spec the wrong thing, uh, or spec something impossible. They would they would ask for a pressure switch that had uh, you know an inch of water column sensitivity. That's like could tell if it could tell if that was happening. But it would also have 2,000 psi shock resistance or something, you know. Like so, <laughs> it was like it could it could it could tell the breath of a breeze, but not be damaged by a freight train running it over. Okay, well, you know, there's some problems in that. You can have one or the other, but you can't have both. So, uh, so I would sometimes get a rate customers who were waiting on some part that they had told us they wanted and they really didn't want. Uh, and they were, they were waiting for a, you know, a 20 or $30 million paper machine that takes a city block and they wanted this one switch that, that they'd been promised and they'd call up and scream at me. And what I learned and what I was taught when they sent me to a customer support seminar was sound like you care. That was the key to customer support sound like you care and you know that's been lost to the to this point in human history you know i call a lot of places and uh most the places don't sound like they care they literally don't care which is okay i didn't care either but i learned to sound like i care and you know when i was over a uh, a, a phone support department of about 60 people. That's what I taught them. I said, you always sound like you care. You know, always smile and nod. You know, we had mirrors so they could see themselves, look friendly, you know, sound compassionate. If you, can't, you might not be able to do something about it. And we always had a policy. They could send them to me. 
and I could let them yell at me because I didn't care, but I sounded like I cared. So of the three articles I read, you know, one was written by a VP at Microsoft, so I really expected them not to care. <laughs> I gave up customer support at Microsoft decades ago. And that's part of the reason I use Ubuntu Linux, because if you're not going to get support, you might as well use something that's, that's free. <laughs> anyway, human interactions still cannot be directly replicated through technology. That's true. There are tells, no matter what they say about the Turing test. In addition, the addition of AI and virtual, virtual agents is extremely helpful in decreasing labor costs and serving more customers, both online and in-store. I haven't met a robot yet in-store. You know, maybe a kiosk. Maybe they're talking about that. But, however, when used improperly, or basically when used at all, uh, innovation can come at the cost of the absence of humility. I thought that was interesting, humility. I'm not sure I ever told anybody they needed humility to talk to customers. Empathy, for sure. Understanding, not sure. Okay. Anyway, so chatbots, if you're in a stressful situation, you may not want to talk to a chatbot. Now, I was trying to think about when I actually had a satisfying experience with a chatbot. And the, uh, the cable or the uh, internet company has outages. We've had three or four this summer already. And I'm not sure why, but they their their robot sounds really friendly and um it's a woman and you know she you know she asks you questions and you give the answer you know you're calling from this number or are you calling about the account that's associated with that with this phone and i say yes and she says are you calling about and then they ask you what you want and you say internet outage and then she says oh we have a report of an internet outage in your area the uh, we're working on it at best we can, and we expect it to be fixed by 7:30 p.m. or something like that, which they almost never are, but that's what they expect. And uh, that's it. Simple, you know. I bet 90% of their calls are that. You know, our internet is out. Uh, so uh, hopefully that hopefully they haven't fired all the people. Hopefully there is someone there to talk to, but I never do. I just you know I just do that. The electric company has a similar one. If your power's out. So, um, so it can take the mundane, right? And uh, so a mundane and frequent customer issue, I'm all in for that, right? If it's done well. Um, but if customers are in a stressful situation or they have a confusing question, which I, I basically am self, a self-serve guy, which the article makes a point that some people prefer, right? But the, the scary part is 60% of high-value customer experience interactions are being solely handled by voice and AI, despite the fact that customers will want an empathetic, remember, here's empathy, an emotional response during those interactions. You know, sometime you really want to explain to somebody why their AI chatbot thing is insane, if not incompetent. Okay, and so... Uh, but one of the things they're they're trying to put together is having the CX agent have access to information served up by the bot. So not talking directly to the customer, but guiding the conversation for the customer service agent. Yesterday, I called the state of Wisconsin Department of Workforce Development, DWD, I guess, 
And, um, you know, there had been a mix-up and stuff. And they said, yes, it's probably true. But they said, oh, yes, we see you sent us a letter. It's like, well, why didn't you why didn't you call me back or something? Why didn't you deal with it? Instead of sending me more letters saying that the IRS would start garnishing my tax returns if you, I didn't pay the, the couple of bucks that, uh, you know, for not filing when I didn't shouldn't have been filing anyway we got it all straight the guy was very very helpful and you could and he had the stuff right there in front of him oh yes i see that yeah we've assessed you a penalty or that was actually a, a you know a prospective assessment of tax withholding or something and i was yeah okay but it doesn't apply oh yeah we're you're right it doesn't apply and you didn't have to file for the first quarter and so we'll turn that off and when we get your stuff you know, and it was all very helpful. So that guy had access to stuff that was very helpful. And that's the way it has to be set up, I think, for the at least for the near term. OK, human interaction will still be essential in solving a problem and answering a confusing question. OK, it's not going to go completely away. So don't fire your customer service support people, but help them. And maybe they'll even be happier to work there. Because we always had a lot of turnover in the customer support. Okay, so here's marketers need to put creativity back in its place by Mark Ritson. Okay, and and he was talking about how a very small percentage of the marketing community are heading for Kane uh, Con, I think, the Con Festival of Creativity. And he said there's a whole the whole industry ignored the creativity word because they basically believed that the internet was going to be so powerful at identifying what customers wanted before the customer knew they wanted it, that it would be more important than anything else anybody could do. Because we'd be at their door with a selection of items before they even realized that their water heater had blown up or something. Of course, that was silly. And as Bob Hacker pointed out to me once, uh, even if you had all the buyers, all the prospective buyers that were looking for a water heater because it, theirs had just leaked all over the basement, um, if there were one salesman in the room who knew what they were doing, they would attract all the buyers. It's not enough to have them herded into the same corner. You have to still tell them a story that they can resonate with. Okay? So, um, Traditional advertising fought digital, and every channel proved its own supremacy, right? And oftentimes, the digital boys did understand their data better than, say, the direct mail community, where uh, digital figured out how they could drop a cookie <laughs> on a visitor to a website and claim all the credit, even though the, even though the interaction had been initiated by a catalog or some other mailer, right? They got in the middle and they said, well, it doesn't matter who you mailed. We care about who, who visited the site. And then everybody who visited the site to place their order to get their questions answered, voila, was a digital buyer di driven by our digital magic, okay? Although David Abbott said to David to Dave Trot, Shaisa delivered at the speed of light is still caca. Okay, I changed the words. You know, I don't want to get demonetized, even though I've never made a dime from YouTube. <laughs> so creativity should be venerated uh, at as a crucial driver of advertising. OK, 
okay so now we're starting to get back to that after you know the internet destroyed that whole idea so what are the titles of the talks how de and i which i think is diversity equity and inclusivity unlocks creativity not sure if that's true or not it depends a little bit on diverse in what way right it, 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 height may not do it <laughs> right uh and if you everyone speaks a different language aka tower of babel syndrome you may not have it happen either you'll have endless creativity and no communication so technology is creative creative risk-taking data-powered creativity and measure creative creativity creatively oh my goodness les bennett said uh long-term brand building plus creative advertising is the key to firmer pricing okay so he's got a talk in there apparently <clears throat> but now ritson says the pendulum has swung too far toward the, the toward the c word marketers cannot multitask so now it's all about creativity at the expense of the other elements that make up marketing and advertising creative creative quality can be a 12 time multiplier i've never seen anything like that especially since some of the most creative ads of all time didn't sell well you know like plop plop fizz fizz oh what a relief it is for alka-seltzer or where's the beef for burger king <coughs> they just didn't they didn't they communicated a discomfort associated with their product okay but in both cases and uh you know so it isn't always creativity and uh it's not even the most important variable but what they've done is they've separated other variables and made them look like a smaller factor but if they're combined then they're then they're bigger than creativity and the sad part is that keeps getting proven over and over is that big brands usually win right and read confessions of an ad man repetition of the company name almost always wins right so we buy any car we buy any car we buy any car <laughs> I'm not even sure what that's about, but you know, I got a car I need to sell. Maybe I should look into it, except I don't think it's worth selling it in the UK. Okay, creativity also cannot be autom uh, atomized. And I think that means broken down into its composite parts. You know, bright colors, uh, free in the headline. There are some elements of that, but just because you check all those boxes doesn't mean that it's creative so anyway creativity contributes about 47 percent the rest is derived from brand you know that you're just in top of mind uh and so and creativity usually follows from strategy and that's mark's main point i highly recommend you read this and get on the get on the wdma.org website and there's a link underneath the uh the video post that's to join but you can also get to the members only you know because there's a menu at the top and read the rest of it you have to subscribe but that's free or join and support our fight for quality in marketing and advertising but but the best creative tests I've ever done just in conclusion have been when I explained to the creative people why it mattered and why I thought it would boost response so it was strategy that drove creativity and that's always a factor. And I 
You know, I have that fight. I've had that fight over the years with many, 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 many creatives. I will give you very, very free reign. But I will also tell you what to do. <laughs> because I think about it at a different level. You think about creativity at a different level, and I think about strategy at a different level. And strategy is not lesser than creativity because it preempts and prepares for it for victory. Way to go, Mark. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart.